fill out prayer cards and we've got some very serious needs on these cards and you might be here and say, well, I didn't, I didn't fill out a card, but man, I, could, I got a situation that I could use some prayer. And so if that's you, would you just slip up your hand real quick and we're going to pray for all the situations going on. God's, one of God's names is faithful. He's faithful to take care of us. He's faithful to answer when we call. And so we're going to pray, Lord. You know every situation, you know every raised hand, you know our stuff better than we do. And Lord, I pray for the needs on these cards, the needs in this room, the needs of those joining us online. God, I pray that you would be who you are, that you would be faithful, that you would heal those that are sick, that you would restore broken relationships, Father, that you would provide people for people who are in need of finances and, and that you would reconcile relationships. Most importantly, Lord, I pray that you would bring your lost children back to you. I also pray, Father, that you would speak to us through your word, that you would change our hearts, and that you would start with mine. We don't want to leave here the same way we got here, so make us more like you. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Look at your neighbor and tell them, good job. Just say that right now. Good job. Good job. Here's why. You made it to church today. We have a beautiful, finally beautiful, no rain, Colorado, 85 degree day, and you're in church, so good job. So I've told you guys before about my friend Pancho. We went to high school together, and, and he's not very smart, and um, so I'm telling you a joke. Okay, anyway, so my friend Pancho, um, he got a job working on a farm, and he was working one day, and and his best friend, Brufilio, is driving by, and he sees Pancho on the side of the road, and, and there's this big wagon of hay, it's flipped over, and Pancho's doing his very best, he's trying to flip it over, and he's trying to lift it, Brufilio pulls up, and he says, what's going on? He goes, well, this wagon flipped over, and he goes, you know what, man, it's hot out here. It's so hot, it's too hot to be doing this. Why don't you come with me, and we'll go get some lunch, we'll go to my house, and, and we'll cool off, and, we'll, and when we come back, I'll help you flip that over. And Pancho says, well, that sounds pretty good, but my boss isn't gonna be happy. He goes, ah, it's okay, just, just come to my house. So they go, he gets in the truck, and Pancho says, my man, my boss is going to be mad. That's okay, it's okay. So they go to the house. After a couple of hours, they have lunch, they have some lemonade, they're refreshed. He goes, okay, Pancho, let's go, we'll head back, and, and we'll get that wagon flipped over. And Pancho says, you know, I, I'll be honest, I feel, I feel a lot better now, but man, my boss is going to be upset. And Brufilio says, he's never going to know. Where is he anyway? He goes, he's under the wagon. So, today we're going to talk a little bit about rest and about resting. So, so we're going to look at something Jesus said. Jesus says a very same, famous statement, I will give you rest. And resting isn't easy, especially today. So to understand rest, we're going to look at the opposite of rest. We're going to look at hurry. And uh, one of the great theologians of our time, his name is Dallas Willard, he said hurry is the great spiritual enemy of our life today. So when we think of a, our spiritual enemy, we usually think of the devil. We don't really think of, of adding more things to our calendar. We don't think of rushing or taking on another side hustle or more notifications to our phone or more things to do for our kids. But the, the, the problem with hurry is not having a lot to do. It's when we have too much to do. And so in order to keep up with it all, we stack things on our calendars or on, on our weekends, and then we use speed to make up the difference. We, we drive as fast as we can, and we say, I could do it. I could get it all done. But if one, if one poor grandma gets in our way on the road, right, we honk, hey, get out of the way, grandma. Use it, move it or lose it. We get, we get upset. So this is Dr. Meyer Friedman. 
and he's a San Francisco cardiologist. He was the first person to coin the term type A people. And so he said type A people are people who are aggressive, who are always in a hurry. And he was the first person to make the connection between stress and heart disease and heart attacks. He also identified a disease that he called hurry sickness. Hurry sickness is a sickness in which a person feels chronically short of time and so tends to perform every task faster and faster and tends to get flustered when encountering any kind of delay. Does anybody know someone who might have hurry sickness? He also said, a hurry sickness is a continuous struggle and an unremitting attempt to accomplish or achieve more and more things or participate in more and more events in less and less time. Do you know anybody who has hurry sickness? If you're joining us online, tag them in the chat right now. Just kidding, all right? The crazy thing about this hurry sickness is Dr. Friedman identified this and wrote this in the 1950s. So we're talking about 80 years ago, 70 years ago, he wrote this and still we're not getting any better. Now, a couple of authors uh, in the book, The Time Cure, they identified three symptoms of hurry sickness. And maybe you can relate to some of these. Uh, one symptom of hurry sickness is when you move from one checkout line to another because it looks shorter or faster or the cashier is younger, so you think, well, they're going to be faster. Has anybody ever done that before, right? Uh, Diane, when we go to the airport, she never lets me pick the TSA line because I have the spiritual gift of picking the slowest line every time. And so uh, the second thing is when, you get, when you're getting to an intersection and you count the cars in the lanes to see if you can figure out which one's going to be the fastest, and then you change lanes to that lane. So true story, uh, when I first was telling Diane about hurry sickness and these symptoms, I was explaining to her this second one as I was driving, and as I was telling her, I did it. And she goes, do you realize you just did exactly, I, I didn't even realize it, but that's what I did. I, I got into the shortest lane. The third one is multitasking to the point where we forget one of the tasks or more than one of the tasks. Is anybody in here besides me feel like they might have hurry sickness, right? That's, it's, it's something that, that we've all dealt with. I'm not a psychologist, but... Now, now, you might be from a generation where you say, this doesn't really affect me, but I guarantee that your kids and your grandkids are dealing with hurry sickness. So in 200 BC, they invented the sundial, and people were upset. The poet Plautus, he said, curse the man who found out how to distinguish hours. Curse the man who cut up my days into such wretchedly small portions. So he resented the idea that now we had hours separating our days. And then in 1879, Thomas Edison invented the light bulb, or at least he took credit for inventing the light bulb. It's a whole thing, you can Google it. Uh, there's a big fight going on about who actually, but anyway. Um, but when the light bulb was invented, the average American was sleeping 11 hours a night. That was average. Some were above average, you know what I mean? Some of your kids are above average, right? <laughs> 11 hours a night. But once the light bulb was invented, we figured out that we didn't have to obey the laws of, or the rhythms of nature anymore. Like in, in, before the light bulb was invented, people would work more in the summer, but then because there was no daylight, they would work less in the winter. 
And they would go to, when, once the sun went down, you were done working, you, there was no more light. But once we had the light bulb, we could do our own scheduling and we could work all night if we wanted to. And so now, the average American sleeps about seven hours a night. Four hours difference. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not a jerk, I'm just tired. Go ahead, tell them, I'm just tired. So in the year 2023, we've gotten to the place where slow is bad and fast is good. If, if someone's not very bright, we call them slow. If a movie's not very good, we say, ah, oh, the movie was kind of slow. If, if we go to a restaurant and it's not a good experience, we say, well, oh, the service was, it was just slow. But in the upside down kingdom of Jesus, he always flips things upside down. He says, if you want to, if you really want to live, you have to die. He says, if you really want to receive, you have to give. If you want to be great, you have to serve. And in the upside down kingdom of Jesus, he teaches us that slow is actually good. Maybe the solution to the overloading that you feel is not to hurry, but to slow down. So let's look at something Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus is talking to a crowd and he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is talking to a group of people that are worn out. They're worn out with religion. They're worn out with the rules of the Pharisees. They're worn out with the occupation of the Romans. They're worn out from working sun up to sundown. And Jesus comes to them and he says, if you're really tired, let me offer you a yoke. And a yoke was a piece of equipment put on the neck of an ox and it would help them join these two oxen together so they could start to pull together. And I think of all the things that Jesus could have offered someone who's tired and worn out, he offers a work tool. Like that doesn't seem to be like, I'm not, yay. You know what I mean? Like he's like, if you're exhausted, if you're weighed down by life, come to me and I'm gonna give you a work tool that you wear around your neck. Like I, it, when you're exhausted, you want a massage. You want a bubble bath. You want, you want someone to make dinner for you. You want a vacation, right? Someone says, I'm tired. If I could just get a vacation and $5 million, I would feel so much better, right? And Jesus, I mean, even at least Jesus maybe, give me a venti coffee, you know, some, but, but Jesus offers this heavy thing to hang around the neck. And the interesting about this yoke is there was no single yoke. It was designed to join animals together. So Jesus says, if you're tired, if you're worn out, if you're burdened by life, let me offer you a better way. I'm going to give you a way that you can yoke yourself to me. You won't be joined anymore. You won't be yoked or tied to your calendar. You won't be tied to your phone. You're not going to be tied to your job. You're not going to be tired to tied to religion. You're not going to be tied even to a person. He says, I'm inviting you to be tied to me and live the way that I lived. I'm offering you a better way. And you might say, well, that sounds great for Jesus. The way of Jesus, living the way of Jesus sounds good for him. But he wasn't a single mom with two kids and two jobs. Or Jesus didn't have student loan debt. Right? Or maybe you say, well, Jesus, I mean, that sounds great, but Jesus didn't work for my boss, who I'm pretty sure is first cousins with the devil. And I'm pretty sure they text each other all day long about how to make my life miserable, right? But I think we could agree that Jesus had a pretty heavy assignment. You know, be perfect, save the world. He had a lot to carry. So Jesus had his own 
yoke. But here's the simple lesson behind the yoke. It multiplies effectiveness through a physics principle called synergy. So when two cattle or two oxen are yoked together, one of them could pull 5,000 pounds and the other one could pull 5,000 pounds. But together, once they yoke them together and they teach them how to walk at the same speed and at the same pace, and they teach them how to pull together, now instead of pulling 10,000 pounds, they can pull 15 or even 20,000 pounds because they're learning to work together. Jesus recognizes that you have a lot to carry. And some of the stuff that you have to carry, you can't put down. So Jesus says, I'm going to give you help. I'm going to help you carry it. Instead of getting rid of the load, which isn't always possible because you have people to take care of. Maybe you have kids to take care of. Maybe you have aging parents to take care of. You've got bills to pay. You've got a job to do. Jesus says, instead of just removing your burden, which we would all love to do, but it's almost always impossible, he says, let me help you, let me pull with you, and when I pull with you, you're going to get more done, and it's going to be less weight on you. That's what Jesus is offering when he offers a better way. So, this whole idea of a yoke had two meanings. It was also, Jesus was a rabbi, a spiritual teacher in the Jewish community, and so it also had a second meaning. A rabbi's yoke was his way of living. And so Jesus was offering a different way of life. He's saying, take my yoke or my way of living. Because Jesus is talking to people who are kind of tired and burned out. And he doesn't offer a vacation or a hammock or even a Red Bull, which would be nice sometimes, right? He offers a different way to approach life. He offers equipment and partnership. Instead of offering to remove us from our hurry-sick lives, he offers a better way, a better way at looking at the world, a better way of carrying the emotional weight of life. Because life has an emotional weight to it, doesn't it? And if you don't know that, if you've never felt that, it's either because you're really young, or just wait, or you're really rich. And if you're really rich, I want to talk to you about some of the ways you want to expand those. But anyway, okay. Because in every stage of life, pretty much, we think, well, once I, once I get through this part, then my life's really going to settle down. Has anybody ever thought that? You thought, once I get through this, man, then it's going to be, and you're in, you're in high school. Man, once I get through high school, oh, man, my life's going to be so easy. And we're all smiling because we know you're in the easiest part right now. This is, you should enjoy this. Stretch it out as long as you can. I saw a friend of mine last night when he graduated high school. He was 20 years old. He soaked it for all he could. And when he graduated, the entire, the entire teaching staff stood up and gave him a standing ovation. It was amazing. i never forget that. But so, so then we get, well, once, I get out, once I get out of high school, man, it's going to be awesome. I'm, once I get a job, once I get out of college, then it's going to be great. I'm going to get a job. And then you get a job, and you're like, only 45 more years until retirement. <laughs> like, yes. But what if there was a way that you could add some space into your life? some extra space into your life. Let me tell you, no one's gonna do it for you, but you could do it. You could add some margin in your life. Margin is the space between your load and your limit. And if you're living at your limit, then I wanna encourage you to slow down and to back off. So let me, let me illustrate what this looks like. This is a 1984 Nissan pickup. The people who designed it, the people who created it, manufactured it, say it has a 
a load limit of 500 pounds. It's designed to carry 500 pounds, all right? This is also a 1984 <laughs> Nissan pickup. I don't know exactly how much it's carrying, but I think it's a safe bet to say that's more than 500 pounds. So it's at its very limit. And some of us live like this. We go to the very limit and we're weighed down. If you've ever said yes, when you should have said no, if you were already overloaded, if you already maxed out, and someone asked you something and you said yes anyway, then you know exactly what this feels like because this is you. And I know someone just got elbowed by their spouse right now, right? He's talking to you, Clyde, all right? <laughs> let, me, let me give you an example of living with no margin. It's Sunday morning, your phone is going off, someone's texting you and someone's calling you, your kids are fighting, your husband can't find his socks, you're trying to get dressed for church that started five minutes ago and you live 15 minutes away and you still have to stop for gas. So what do we do when that's happening? We try to compensate by hurrying, right? The husband goes out in the car. Everybody, come on, get in the car. We're going to go worship Jesus. Come on. <laughs> he starts honking because that makes people come out faster and in a great move. That always works. <laughs> so how do we build margin? How do we build more margin in our lives? Let me give you a couple of ideas. And this first one, many of you are going to hate it. But just give me a minute, all right? What if you decided to start earlier? Now, I know that sounds like common sense, right? I know it sounds like common sense. Just start earlier. What that means is just get up earlier. I, I was speaking at a college once, and I asked the, the crowd, I said, how many of you guys use your snooze button? Maybe a bunch of them raise their hand. How many hit it twice? How many hit it three times? My boy raised his hand. He says, I hit my snooze button nine times every morning. An hour and 20 minutes of miserable sleep that that guy's getting to try and think he's getting better sleep. What if instead of that, what if... You just got up a little earlier. What if, what, if, what if you got up 15 minutes earlier? What if you got, what, imagine you had 15 extra minutes in your morning. Wouldn't your heart rate be different? Wouldn't your attitude be different? Imagine you walked into work tomorrow morning 15 minutes earlier than normal. Your boss might fall over dead. <laughs> and then you're dealt with two birds with one stone, right? <laughs> He's gone. And I know people, when I say this, people are often like, I, I can't, I can't do that. I can't do that. Well, well, what if you just went to bed 15 minutes earlier? Then you get the same amount of sleep. And I'm curious, I'm a curious person, so I ask people a lot of times, you know, things like, so what time do you go to bed? Well, sometimes 10, sometimes 11, sometimes 1. And then I lay on, you know, you lay on your phone and you're doing this for a half hour, an hour. What if? Just crazy talk. What if you went to bed and went to sleep 15 minutes earlier? Think about how that could start your day so much better. Number two, second thing, is watch your tank. Guard your tank. Every one of us has an emotional tank built in inside of us, like a reservoir. And there's a, a place for, for water to go in, and there's a place where water comes out. And so every day there are things in your life 
that drain that tank. And so we've got to be very careful to identify what drains our tank. Because when, if you let your tank get too empty, then you become short with people. You're no fun to be around. You get grumpy and edgy and you snap at people. And I'm not talking about the people at work because I know you're nice to them. I know you have a customer service voice that's not real. You know what I mean? But you get paid to be with them. I'm talking about how do you treat the people that you say you love, the people that you live with, your spouse, your kids. They get the real you when your tank is empty. So you've got to identify, we've got to identify what drains our tank and what fills our tank. As your tank is being drained and there's sometimes nothing you can do to avoid your tank being drained, you have to consciously fill your tank at the same time, right? Let me give you an example of what drains my tank. Uh, doing funerals emotionally drains my tank. Now, I actually, as a pastor, like doing funerals because people's hearts are usually open to the gospel. And so I've led many, many people to Christ at funerals. But there's a weight to being a pastor when you carry and sit in people's grief with them. And so when I get home after doing a funeral, I am wiped out. Uh, a few months ago, I did six funerals in two weeks. And so at the end of that, I told Diane, we got to do something. I, I knew I needed to refill my tank because I knew I was completely spent. And so I said, let's go somewhere. Let's go to a, a, a glamorous city that people like to travel to. So we went to Omaha, Nebraska. And <laughs> we really did. We said, let's go somewhere we've never been. So we went to Omaha, Nebraska, and we ate at some good restaurants, and we just spent time. We went to the zoo. We walked around. I knew I needed a refill. Being with my wife fills my tank. And I just, I shut my phone off and I just said, let's just go spend, I did jujitsu, let's just go spend some time refilling our tank. Identifying what drains us and what fills us will keep people wanting to be around us longer, right? Uh, excessive meetings, back-to-back -back meetings, counseling meetings, that drains my tank. It's part of my job, I don't hate it, but it's just, I've got to recognize that that's part of what drains me. Um, running late, when I'm running late, Oh, it drains my tank. It, it kills me knowing that people are waiting for me. It makes my heart beat fast. I drive fast. It drains my tank. Being around people who complain, around chronic complainers, it drains my... I'll just walk away. As they're talking, I'm just like, bye. And, and I, I just... I only have so many hours left to live on this planet. I don't know how many there are. I'm not going to spend one more minute listening to somebody complain when all they do is complain. You know what I mean? That just drains my tank. What fills my tank? Uh, exercise and jujitsu fill my tank. Now, I hate exercising, but I love the way I feel after I exercise. That fills my tank. Uh, worshiping God fills my tank. Worship on Sunday mornings. Putting worship music on when I'm by myself, that fills my tank. Reading my Bible, especially when I'm not in a hurry. Just sitting down slowly in the morning, reading my Bible and having coffee. Uh, being with my wife fills my tank. Being with my kids fills my tank. Being with my, now my grandsons, oh, that fills my tank. I bought some Crocs because they told me, Grandpa, you should have some Crocs like us, and now we're the Croc gang. You know what I mean? Like, I never would have bought Crocs, but being with those guys, it just fills my tank. Having dinner with friends fills my tank. You've got to identify what drains you and what fills you. Let me say one more thing about this. Nobody's going to help you do that. Nobody will do it for you. People will take from you. Not because they're bad people, because they're normal people, and they need stuff. And so if you don't have a way to refill yourself, 
You're going to go around life. And you, you, listen, you can walk around your life completely empty all the time. You're not going to have any friends, right? Nobody's going to want to be around you. Do it for your kids. Do it for your family. Do it for you. Figure out what drains you and what fills you. Last thing, build in rest. We need rest. You probably are not resting enough. Now, to be fair and to be honest, there's probably some people in this room that could work more, all right? There's probably some of you suckers need to get a job, okay? But big picture, most people probably need to rest more. This is Psalm 23, at least about the first half of it. It's a very famous scripture. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. One of my favorite passages of the Bible. But you know, someone could look at that and say, you know, that's not very efficient. There's a lot of margin around that. There's a lot of space being taken up. You know that books are about 40% margin? So if a publisher wanted to save money, they could just get rid of all that dumb margin and run edge to edge. And, if it, and I could do that too with this, and I could make it look just like that. Now that's not nearly as usable as this, right? But I mean, I could do it, and, and we could definitely make it work, but running edge to edge doesn't work. The margins make everything function. And if you run edge to edge in your life, if you're always busy, always on the go, always running on adrenaline, you know that adrenaline, uh, when, we, when we're busy and when we're running on adrenaline, when we're late to some place and we're trying to get places, places, our body creates adrenaline, but it wasn't designed to create adrenaline over long periods of time. And so in order to create adrenaline, your body, uh, there's this byproduct called cortisol that gives you heart disease. Did you know that? And did you know that in order to create adrenaline, your body pulls something out of your bones, the calcium out of your bones in order to make adrenaline? So literally, we are killing ourselves, literally, by running edge to edge all the time. The composer, Claude Debussy, he said, oh, I forgot about this video. It's so awesome. All right. When we run edge to edge like this, we're exhausted. And when we're exhausted, we start doing dumb stuff. When fatigue walks in, creativity walks out. Our problem solving goes away, and we do stuff like this. Didn't that hurt? Aren't you glad we're not scraping snow right now? <laughs> the composer Claude Debussy said, it's the space between the notes that makes the music. It's the, they call them rests. Between the notes, they call them rests. And without rests, the music just runs and runs and runs and runs and runs, and it feels something like this. Some of you, this is the soundtrack to your life.
You get the idea. Is anybody, were any of you out of breath as we listen to that, right? But somehow we think we can live like that. Jesus says, I have a better way. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. In order to learn from someone, we have to humble ourselves and admit that we don't know everything. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many could use an easy yoke and a light burden today? Let's pray. Father, you know every one of our situations. You know what our calendars look like and our schedules. Lord, I pray that we would humble ourselves today, that we would take on your yoke. Because we've been trying to do it, Lord, and to be honest, it's not going well. We're doing too much. We've gotten ourselves in messes. So today, Lord, we surrender. We humble ourselves. We repent. And I pray, Father, that you would teach us your way, your better way, the way of Jesus. Show us how to walk slower so that we can enjoy our lives. We're only doing this once. We sur submit and surrender to you. Make us more like you. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and sing this last chorus with us? exists is to connect people to Jesus and to help them grow in their faith. So maybe you're listening this morning and you're like, yeah, I want that. I want to share my yoke. I want Jesus to step into my life. But you have no idea what I've done. You don't know. Like, Jesus would not want to live life with me. Well, I'm here to tell you there's absolutely nothing you could ever do to separate yourself from the love of God. So we're going to say a prayer today. And if you'd like to start that relationship with Jesus, we want to invite you to that. So everyone close your eyes and bow your heads and repeat after me. Dear Jesus, forgive me for every evil thing I've ever done. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. Today I make a promise to follow you. I make you Lord of my life. Please help me to be more like you. Amen. You may be seated. If you just said that prayer for the first time, we wanna say congratulations. have a gift for you because this journey is not meant to be walked alone and so we want to walk it with you and give you some materials to help you on your way so if you see that QR on the screen just scan it and select first time believer we have some stuff we want to send you you can also text that number on the screen it does the same thing if this is if you're new to mosaic and this is one of your first times coming welcome we're so happy to see you we also just want to get to know you so do you scan that QR code? Let us send you a welcome email. Just get to know you a little bit. We would love that. So I have three announcements. The first one is for all the dudes, all the bros, all the broskies, the brochachos, the brotato chips. I saw that one online. Okay, so the, this Thursday, July 13th, 
from seven to nine, we're going axe throwing. Well, not me, because I'm not a guy, but y'all are going axe throwing. And Duke University, Duke University did a research study and they found that we are all kind of the average sum total of the five people we spend the most time with. And so this is an opportunity to refill your tank and to also surround yourself around other people who are trying to walk a good journey, trying to be involved fathers and good partners and, and involved in their you know community. And so come Axe Rowing this Thursday, July 13th from seven to nine, if you want more information, go to the info cart. You just email chuck at greelymosaic.com. You gotta go. Our second announcement is Financial Peace University. It's a finance class. So I did this class, my husband and I did it in 2018. And in 2018, we had like two car loans and credit card debt and it just felt kind of like suffocating, you know? You make your payment and then you realize that the interest you accrued that month was more than the payment you made and it's like, ooh. This feels like a weight on my shoulders. And so we did this Financial Peace University class and we learned how to live in margin. Something else we talked about today, how to live within that margin. And today we have paid off our cars and we're not drowning underneath that credit card debt anymore. It's a good class. So if you're interested, go to the info cart. Um, the instructor will be there and she can get you signed up. And our third announcement is for all the ladies. All the ladies in the room. We have our refresh conference gathering coming up it's on august 26th it is a saturday it's a one-day event and you gotta come not only does it fill your tank not only will you feel refreshed and rejuvenated for the next month and year ahead but it's really fun like i'm kind of an introvert don't really like to be around a lot of people but i even like coming to refresh okay it's fun you gotta come and don't let finances be a thing if you're like oh, i want to come but i can't afford it come to the sign-in table as you leave don't let that be a barrier our last form of worship today is our tithes and our offering. Just like we've been talking about in this sermon series, the Upside Down Kingdom, I have felt over and over, time and time again, that when I give is when I receive. So I'm so thankful for this church. I feel like I've learned a spirit of generosity being in this church. So I'm gonna say a prayer. I'm gonna bless over our offering and for the next week ahead. If you would like additional prayer for anything going on in your life, we have an amazing prayer team. They'll be up here. So come up here, get some extra prayer for, for yourself and your family. But I'm gonna pray as we dismiss. God, thank you so much for today. God, we thank you for this offering. We pray that you bless it and extend it throughout Greeley and far beyond. I pray for everyone who's able to give and I pray for everyone who's not. God, would you bless us and would you give us the spirit of generosity not only here, but beyond into our community. God, I pray for this next week ahead. Would 